Hello, I'm Derek Walker. I'm the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church. And today we're going to start a new series called the ABCs of Faith. And I believe this will be an important series. You know, the ABCs means the elementary principles. And, and if you don't understand the elementary principles of any subject, then you can't hope to build and go further with it. And often people, they may hear teaching about faith that's on a very high level, what, what to do with faith and so on. And yet, they don't, if they don't know the ABCs of faith, then it will be above their heads. They won't be able to apply it to their lives. So I want to go back to the ABCs. You know, it's like the alphabet. If you don't know the letters of the alphabet, how can you form words? And then how can you develop sentences? And, and I used to be a math teacher. The same principle is there. You have, first of all, have to know the numbers before you can then go on and talk about addition. And then before you can go any further, once you know addition, then you can do subtraction. And once you do subtraction, then you can do multiplication, and then division, and then fractions, and so on. But you have to build like this, and that's what we want to do. Develop the ABCs of this in important subject of faith. And we're going to talk, first of all, about how important faith is. The first principle is to realize the importance of faith, to be motivated to study this subject. Well, there's over 600 verses in the Bible that talk about faith and believing and so forth. So it's obviously a, one of the most important concepts of the Bible. But for many people, it's something very mysterious. They don't really understand what faith is. And, and, and so they're not able to, they're going to miss out on a lot. And so we want to understand faith so that we can walk accurately in the arena of faith, because our relationship with God is governed through faith. Now, faith is something that God values highly. It's important to God. Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. You can't get that any clearer than that. It's essential for us to have faith in order to please God. So he must value it highly. It must make a big difference. Romans 14.23 says it another way. It says, whatsoever is not of faith is sin. That's strong, isn't it? So, Hebrews 10.38 says, now the just or the righteous shall live by faith. God requires that. But if anyone draws back, draws back from what? Living by faith. My soul has no pleasure in him. God still loves you, but he doesn't have pleasure out of your life if you're not walking by faith. Jesus didn't suggest, he commanded Mark 11:22 have faith in God. You know it it upset Jesus when men lacked faith. Do you realize if you want to upset Jesus just have no faith. If you want to disappoint Jesus have little faith. Matthew 17:17 17, 17 is one example. Jesus answered and said, "Oh faithless and perverse generation, how long do I need to have have I got to be with you? How long shall I bear with you?" It really upset Jesus when they were faithless. Another time, he said, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? He was upset, Mark 4.40. Other times, he was disappointed. They had little faith. Oh, ye of little faith. And particularly, he spoke to people who were in anxiety. Living in anxiety, he was disappointed because of their little faith. He, said, he went on to say, if God closed the grass of the field, you know, will he not 
all the more clothe you, you, O you of little faith. Another time he said, why are you so fearful, O you of little faith? That's when they were in the storm, Matthew 8.26. Another time he said, where is your faith? Come on. He's looking for faith. He's looking to see if you have faith and if it's on display. And if you want to get Jesus excited, then have strong faith. He was excited by strong faith. Do you remember with the Roman centurion in, uh, in Matthew chapter 8? He said, I have never seen such strong faith. That's when he got the most excited, when people showed strong faith. Well, faith is the thing that he's looking for in our lives. And it actually says when Jesus returns to the earth, what will he be looking for? Luke 18, 8 says, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? That's what he's looking for in your life. And faith is actually the most important and valuable thing that you have. 2 Peter 1, 1 says that we have obtained a like precious faith. It's valuable. Jude talks about our most holy faith. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says that faith, hope, and love abide for all eternity. Your faith has eternal value. But why is faith so important? Well, the key is that faith is your connection to God. The root word for faith, pistis, is union. It's that which unites us to God. It's your greatest possession because without it, you have no connection to God. Your faith that you possess is what connects you to God, that enables you to receive his grace, his love, his power in your life. Therefore, you must guard it. You must build it. You do, do whatever's necessary to develop and strengthen and protect it. It connects you to God. It's the channel through which God's power works in your life normally. It's faith is the channel, in other words, through which God works. It's your greatest possession because it's without it, you do have no contact with God. You see, you can't contact God through your body or through your mind. You contact God who is a spirit through your spirit and you do it by means of your faith. And what you receive from God comes through your faith. And so we need to understand faith, what it is and how it works to, to connect and cooperate with his power, you see. Matthew 9.29, Jesus said an amazing thing. He said, according to your faith, let it be done unto you. In other words, your faith in God and his word ultimately determines how it will go with you. It will determine what you receive from God. According to your faith. Isn't that amazing? And so, if you've been accused of being one of those faith people or going to a faith church, well, hallelujah. That's a good accusation to have. Faith is not a dirty word. We must guard our faith. We must build our faith. That's why it's so important what church you go to. And by the way, you, we, we should all go to a local church. Um, and no church is perfect. But it's important what church you go to because your faith will go up or down to the level of the preaching that you are under. So be wise. Now, 1 John 5.4 says, faith gives us, is our victory in life. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. What's the victory that overcomes the world? Even our faith. We obtain God's promises through faith. Hebrews 6.12 says, we should be followers of those who through faith 
and patience inherit the promises. And then later on in Hebrews 11, it says, who through faith, the great man of God, obtained promises. To give you some examples, we're forgiven through faith. We're justified through faith. We're saved through faith. We're purified. We're sanctified through faith. We're healed through faith. Didn't he say, your faith has made you whole? You're blessed through faith. You receive life through faith. You have access to God through faith. Christ dwells in your heart through faith. And basically, you need to understand this. In Hebrews 11.1, it says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The word substance is hypostasis. It means that which stands underneath. It's the foundation. It's the substance. That is the faith, is the substance, the foundation for your whole spiritual life. If your faith is weak, the whole house of your spiritual life is very weak. Faith is essential to everything that you build from that. And so you need to have strong faith and you need to know what your faith is. We need faith to live the life that God expects. We're called, number one, to live by faith. The just shall live by faith. You see, the just by faith, that's getting saved, shall live by faith. Once you're saved, you need to continue to live by faith and to depend on God and draw upon God's life every day. Galatians 2.20, Paul says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We're called to stand by faith. Romans 11.20, for by faith we stand. It says, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Hallelujah, and stand. And so we are also to walk by faith, not by sight. 2 Corinthians 5.7. And we are to talk by faith. I love 2 Corinthians 4.13 that says, we have the same spirit of faith. According to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. Therefore we also believe and we speak. That's the spirit of faith. We believe it in our heart and we speak it with our mouth. We are to speak the words of God that we believe in our heart. We live by faith. We walk by faith. We talk by faith. We stand by faith. Faith is essential. Faith is important. And to really understand this more profoundly, we need to understand that every interaction you have with God has two ingredients. To receive a miracle to receive a blessing, to contact God in any way. You need, number one, of course, God's power, God's grace, God's anointing, but must be present. But also, secondly, our faith must be present. You need both ingredients together. They're essential. God's power must be mixed with our faith. When the two come together, there is a mighty power. There may be God's grace is there, but if our faith doesn't connect with God's grace, then, the, then it doesn't work. And so God's power is available to us all the time. But it only operates in our lives through the channel of faith. So often people think, well, if I can just get where God's power is, then I'll get my miracle. But that's not it. Because God's power is here all the time, actually. But, and it comes into our life through faith. And the key to activate the power of God is our faith. We need to understand it, though. Otherwise, we won't connect with the power of God. But if we understand faith, we can walk and operate in the power of God every day 
not just when there's a highly anointed minister present. Have you noticed those two expressions? To God, all things are possible. That's talking about God's power, isn't it? Matthew 19.26. But there's another expression, Mark 9.23 says, all things are possible to him who believes. That's talking about our faith. For both, all things are possible to God and also to him who believes. Let's put those two together. It's God's power and our faith that makes the impossible possible. God's power working through our faith. It's the combination, praise God. Through faith, the things that are possible to God become possible to man. Why? Because by faith, we tap into God's power that makes all things possible. That's why all things are possible to him who believes. Hallelujah, because we're connecting with a God for whom all things are possible. Let me give an example. Dunamis, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Uh, and uh, you shall be my witnesses, Acts 1.8. The word for power there in the Greek is dunamis, which, where we get the word dynamite, which is a good illustration because it's actually referring to potential energy. A stick of dynamite doesn't look very powerful because it's potential in it. The energy's there all right, but it has to be released. It has to be activated for it to, to, be, to be operative. That's what God's power's like. When, if you have the Holy Spirit, God's power is present, but it may not be released. It may not be active. What do you have to do? You have to light the fuse. You have to activate that power and to make it kinetic. And faith is the fuse. And when you light the fuse, which is your faith, then the power of God is released. The Holy Spirit's here all the time. It's your faith that will light the fuse of the power of the Spirit. Hallelujah. God's power is like his outstretched out, our hand reaching down to us with all his blessings. But it's only when we reach up with our hand of faith and connect with that power does that power f flow into our life. Faith is our hand reaching out and laying hold and joining with God's hand of power, you see. That's why the gospel is, when Jesus preached it, he said, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is at hand. What's the kingdom of God? It's righteousness, power, joy, peace, love, healing in the Holy Spirit. In other words, he says, all these things, salvation, healing is at hand. That was the gospel. The power of God is here for you. That's the gospel. But it only works when the people who believe, believe that and lay hold of that power. It's grace and faith together. Praise God. Both ingredients are needed. Hebrews, um, Hebrews 4.2 says this. For unto us the gospel was preached. Do you realize the gospel is the power of God unto salvation? The gospel is the power. When the gospel is given, the power of God is made present through the words of the gospel. And it says, for, he says, the gospel was preached. The power was there. As unto them, it says. But, he said, the word preached did not profit them. He's talking about people. They heard the gospel. The power was there for them, but they weren't saved. They weren't helped. Why? Because it was not mixed with faith. See, God's power by itself is not enough. It's got to be mixed with faith. Hallelujah. The power's in his word. The word is like seed. 
But until the seed is planted in the heart, in a believing heart, it cannot produce fruit in your life. And so, if things aren't happening, it's not because God's power isn't present, it's because either we don't have the faith, or we don't know how to release our faith to, for that power to become operative in our life. And that's what we'll be covering in this series. Many Bible stories illustrate this principle, that it's necess- that the necessity of faith in conjunction with the power of God. It's grace plus faith. Faith is necessary to receive grace, what God is giving us. Praise God. The first example is the incarnation in Luke chapter 1, verse 31 to 38. Do you know when the angel appeared to Mary and said, you're going to conceive in your womb and give forth to a son called Jesus? And Mary says, quite naturally, how can this be? How, how are you going to do that miracle, God? And the angel said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. In other words, the power of God is going to come upon you. And then in verse 17, he says, For God, with God nothing's impossible. That's a poor translation. It really means no word of God is without the power to fulfill itself. In other words, it's going to be by the Spirit. It's going to be by the word of God. The power of God's here. But the miracle only happened when Mary responded in faith. And that's when Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be unto me according to your word. When she, by faith, submitted to the word of God, received the word of God, trusted the word of God, accepted it by faith, then, at that moment, the power was released and Jesus was conceived in the womb of Mary. Hallelujah. Another example is when Jesus came in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, to Nazareth, and He declared, didn't he, the spirit of the Lord's upon me. He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the sick and so forth. And he said, this scripture is fulfilled right now in your ears. As I preach to you, the power's in my words. The power was present, wasn't it? But we know what happened in Nazareth. There weren't many miracles. There wasn't much release of that power, even though it was present. Why not? It says, because of their unbelief. And so faith is necessary to connect with the power of God. Another example is in Luke chapter 5, verse 17. It talks about that uh, one day Jesus was teaching. There were a lot of skeptics in the crowd. But it does say then that the power of the Lord was present to heal them, them all. So as Jesus was teaching, the power's in his word, the anointing's there, the power's present. But nobody was getting healed. Why? Because that other ingredient of faith was not present. And then, and and they were all not believing him, if you read the story. But then, that's when the the man was dropped in through the roof. Four friends lowered the paralytic through the roof. And Jesus, can you imagine, they had to strip the roof apart to, to get him into that place. And then it says, when Jesus saw their faith, verse 20, he said, you're forgiven, you're healed. What was the missing, in- the power was present all the time. What was the missing ingredient? Their faith. And it, when he found someone with faith, he was able to do that miracle. Praise God. And, uh, and, and God's power is present, but without faith, there, there won't be a miracle. Now, you might, there might be faith of other people might help you get your miracle. But if you don't build your own faith, you can't live in that reality 
unless you have your own faith, because eventually it will be according to your own faith. You'll only ultimately keep what you have got through your own faith. But as a young Christian and so on, God allows um, faith of others to, you know, to, to get things to you. But you mustn't depend on that. You need to build your own faith. I want you to notice, how did they show their faith? It was by getting through the crowd of unbelief into the presence of God to lay hold of his power. They stripped apart the roof. They got through every barrier. And you show your faith when you push through the, the crowd of unbelief and voices of unbelief and you tear apart that barrier and you get yourself into the presence of Jesus and you lay hold of his power. Praise God. That by grace, Ephesians 2.8 says, are you saved through faith? It's God's grace that saves you, but it's received through your faith. By grace are you healed, but it's through faith, through the channel of faith. Hallelujah. And so I want you to realize, though, faith is necessary to receive grace, but faith can't receive what grace has not already given. You see, it's grace that does it. You can't receive or believe something from God that God isn't giving to you, that God hasn't promised you. You know, this answers a common attack on faith teaching that says, oh, we're just treating God like a slot machine. We just name it and claim it. We just blab it and grab it. We're controlling God by our faith, you see, and we're replacing the sovereignty of God by the sovereignty of man. Now, if that's the attitude of some faith Christians, then, of course, that deserves correction, but that's a misunderstanding of faith. You see, you can't receive by faith what God hasn't already given you by grace. You see, if I said to you, look, I'm offering you 10 pounds here, and you come and you take it from me, and, and with a thanksgiving, thanks, are you stealing from me? Are you controlling me? No. Actually, I'm very pleased that you trust me and take me up on my offer. On the other hand, if you just came up to me and took 10 pounds out of my pocket, then I'd be upset with you because you are usurping my free will. And, and so the faith teaching says that whatever God has promised, whatever God has given us in his grace, we can, if we believe him and trust him, we can come to him and receive what he's giving to us. We're not controlling God. We're not violating his will. And of course it would be foolishness because you can't take from God what he's not giving to you anyway. And so this isn't about controlling God. It's taking God at his word and receiving what he freely gives to us. And when we do that, the Bible says we actually please him. What would you think of a child? For example, if the father is offering food, but the child is so cowed that he doesn't feel able to ask the father to maybe even for a piece of bread. Is that, is that kind of thing going to please the father? No, he'd be pleased with a child that has the faith in him, the trust in him, to come to him and ask when he has a need. And so that's what we're saying. Now, faith is necessary to receive grace. Hebrews 11.11 11 says, Through faith, Sarah received strength to conceive. The power came from God to conceive, but she had to receive it through faith. In the same way, I could put my name in there. Through faith, Derek received power to be healed. Through faith, Derek received power to be prospered, and so forth. Faith is what connects us to the power of God. And we need to understand how we can receive from God and cooperate with his power. Another example, Acts 3.16 says, when Peter's explaining a healing, he says it's his name. His name did it, the name of Jesus, that's the grace of God. But then he said, through faith in his name. 
has made this man strong. Yes, the faith that comes through him has given him this perfect soundness. 1 2 Peter 1 5 says, We are kept protected by the power of God through faith. Yes, God wants to protect you, but it's going to do it through the power of God, through your faith. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. Romans 1 16. Isaiah 53 1 is interesting. It says, when describing, Isaiah 53 describes what Jesus has done for us on the cross. Bearing our sins, bearing our sicknesses. By his stripes we're healed. But it starts by saying, who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord, the power of the Lord, been revealed? And the answer is the same person. To the person that see, has the arm of the Lord revealed to him is the person who re- believes the report of Isaiah 53 that Christ died on the cross, that by his grace, salvation and healing is revealed. And if you will believe that and receive that, then the arm of the Lord will be revealed in your life. Hallelujah. Another example is the woman with the issue of blood in Mark chapter 5. You, you know the story, I expect. And there's a crowd of people pressing around Jesus, but none of them are getting healed. But the power of God's on Jesus, as we see from the story. And there's one person that believes that. And she presses through the crowd. Like you have to press sometimes through opposing forces and voices of unbelief and doubts. You press through the crowd. She believed that Jesus was the anointed one and had the power of God on her. She believed in the grace of God that was available. And she laid hold of the hem of his garment. And Jesus said he felt power go out of him. She was healed by the power of God. But then when he turned around and she owned up to what she had done, he said to her, your faith has made you whole. So it was the power of God coming out of Jesus, but it was also her faith that received that power that made her whole. Because she said, when I touch the hem of his garment, I shall be whole. Praise God. Her faith gave action to the healing power. Other people touched, but they weren't healed. Healing was available on tap, but she was the only one who plugged into it through her faith. Do you realize God's electricity, God's power is like electricity. And there's electricity coming into your room right now. And that's God's grace. But if you had all the switches turned off, you wouldn't see any of that. Faith is like your switch. And your faith has to connect with the power of God. You've got to switch the faith on. Are we glorifying faith here? No. You wouldn't glorify your switch and say, look, what amazing switch this is. All this power comes. No, the switch, we give glory to the power. The first principle of faith is that God is the source. God is the power. Praise God. Our faith is simply that which receives the power of God. But we do need to understand about the switch of faith because otherwise we will not enjoy the power of God as as we ought to. We need to understand faith. But ultimately, we don't glory our faith. We glory in the power and the grace of God. Well, that's the grace of God and the faith of God together will make a mighty power release in your life.